I, uh, I was really blessed by uh, Jesse's word last week when he preached. Um, he had that, I thought it was a good idea to get your phone out and to text somebody a gospel message who wasn't a Christian, who wasn't, didn't know God. I did that. And I immediately received a, um, a text back from the person like, you have no clue what this means to me. <laughs> so it was, a <coughs> it was pretty cool how that worked out. So thank you, Jesse. Um, let me uh, start out with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I ask for forgiveness for the sins that I've committed. Lord, I ask for forgiveness for the weights that I've allowed in my life, Father God, that so easily entangle us, Father. Lord, I ask for, for the forgiveness of every person in this room, Lord. Lord, we look up to you because you are our everything, Father. Lord, without you, Father God, we're, we're nothing. We have nothing. We, we can't even exist. We can't live. But, Father God, with you, we are princes. We're princesses, Father. We have everything. All that joy is available to us, Father God. Eternal life is available to us, but only through you, Father. So, Lord, I pray that you bless each person in this room. God, I pray that your will would be done, Father God, and that you would be glorified through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, while Jesus was on the cross, um, it wasn't a great opportunity for him to uh, preach and to impart truth because he was going through a very difficult time. But even though he was on the cross and dying, he used that as an opportunity to teach us and to lead us. And the Bible documents seven things that Jesus says while he's on the cross. And I want to go over those things that he said and expand a little bit because they, they give us wonderful truth. <clears throat> so the first one that he says is in Luke 23 and 34. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And this is at the heart of the gospel. This is at the heart of God and it's forgiveness. It talks Jesus talks about forgiveness everywhere. In the Lord's Prayer, he, he teaches us to say, forgive them, or Lord, forgive my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. And after the Lord's Prayer, there's only one line in the Lord's Prayer that he circles back and he expands on, and it's that line. And he says, for if you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. And it's a hard statement, it's a harsh statement, but it's his statement, which means that it's true. He, Jesus gave us a parable where there was a ruler and he had a debtor who owed a million dollars and he could not repay. So he begged for his life and the ruler forgave him his debt. This guy walking down the street feeling free, feeling the burden off of his shoulders, a new outlook on life comes down the street and he sees another guy who owes him a thousand dollars. He couldn't repay the thousand. And the first man's response was to strangle his neck and to throw him in jail and say, you have to pay. You owe me and you have to pay. When the, when the ruler found out, I forgave you the millions, you couldn't forgive the thousand. This is a lesson to us how much we have been forgiven, all of the sins that we've committed, a lifetime of sins. And if we hold 
unforgiveness in our hearts towards others, we don't understand the gospel. We don't understand God. Jesus says, don't forgive them seven times, not 70 times, but seven times 70. And it doesn't mean 490 times and then, and then they're off the hook. But it means keep on forgiving them. What's that? Did I do the, did I do the math wrong? Sorry. All right. But he, he's saying constantly forgive. There was somebody else who said this, and it was Stephen, right before he was dying. He was being stoned, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What has somebody done to you? Who is somebody in your life that has offended you, that has hurt you, that doesn't have forgiveness from you? Don't let the root of bitterness stay there and imprison you and imprison them, but accept God's forgiveness and then give it out freely. The second statement was, just because you sleep in a garage doesn't make you a Chevy. Wait, how'd that get in there? That's something that Nick says, not Jesus. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got the wrong notes. <laughs> All right, the second thing he said in Luke 23, 43 was, today you will be with me in paradise. There were two other people being crucified that day, as you know. Two other criminals. One was mocking Jesus, just like the Pharisees and all the other people, the bystanders looking, but one of them was not. He said, the other criminal, Do you, don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He did three things there. First, he had reverence for God, a healthy fear and respect. Next, he acknowledged his own faults, his own imperfections, his own need for God's forgiveness. And then he admitted and acknowledged Jesus as Lord and King. And Jesus' response, he looks to him and he says, Today, you will be with me in paradise. In that moment, the heavens are opened up to anybody. The beggar, the thief, the murderer, the cheater, the liar. And I think there will be a lot of people that end up in heaven that will go to this criminal and say thank you. Because I didn't know. I struggled. Am I going to get to heaven? Do I know God? But when I came across this story, when I heard this story and I heard about the humility from you and the humility from God and how easily he accepted you, I knew he could do the same for me. So this truth is how simple paradise is, how simple, how easily God wants to forgive. Just a little bit of humility, just a little bit of acknowledgement that you, are, that you need forgiveness and then confess that he's Lord. And that's it. Eternal life is available to you. Jesus Christ is available to you. Every single promise in the Bible is available to you. Thank you, Lord, for that. The third thing he says <coughs> is in John 19, 26 and 27. Woman, behold your son. This is where he's talking to John and to his mother. He's dying on the cross. And 
to the very end, he's obedient to the law, he's obedient to his Father, and he's true to his word when he says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. He's hanging on the cross, and he's still thinking about others. He's still thinking about how to take care of his mother. And he's leaving us an example on how we should act. Don't only look over, over your own desires, your own needs, but look for the benefits of others around you as well. And honor your father and mother. The fourth thing that he says is Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I did not like reading this when I was a brand new Christian. I remember reading Matthew as one of the first books I read, and I got to that, and I, I struggled with why did he say that? Why is Jesus committing the sin of doubt? Is he feeling sorry for himself? Is he, I didn't like that. I don't, I don't like when people feel sorry for themselves, and so I didn't like to see that in Jesus. I like to see Jesus as a, my superhero. And up until this point, that's what he was. He was saying things in Matthew thousands of years ago that it was like he was talking to me in high school on that day. And now I come across this verse and I'm, I'm like, why is he saying this? And today I look at this statement completely different. Because this statement to me is not uh, him committing a sin of doubt, but to me, this is him proclaiming, this was part of the plan. This is what my victory looks like. I am supposed to be here. How did I get there? I've talked about this before up here, and that's Psalm 22. Psalm 22 starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it talks about, in that psalm, written by David, hundreds of years before, about a person who is being mocked, about a person who is being punished and mocked by people saying, he delighted in God, let God deliver him. This person in Psalm 22 was pierced in their hands and their feet. This person in Psalm 22 had their clothing gambled for by others. He was despised. He calls himself a worm, but not just any worm, but a worm that goes up on a tree, and when it gives birth to its offspring, the offspring eat it and are, and are died permanently for the rest of their life by the red dye that comes from this worm. I know you don't want to hear about that. But that's, that's a, a picture of Jesus who hangs on the cross. And without his death, his offspring can't come. And when his death comes, he spiritually dies us permanently red with his blood. That's what in Psalm 22 it says. So when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's saying, go read what we wrote about a long time ago and be encouraged. I know it's hard to see me up here, but I'm, this is part of the plan. This is what your salvation looks like. The second half of Psalm 22 changes. It goes from a person who is about to die to the entire world is blessed somehow through this individual. So how do we know that the Bible is true, that the Word of God is true? Because he says the end from the beginning. Who else can do that? So in Matthew 27, 46, it's not Jesus doubting. It's not Jesus feeling sorry for himself. But he's telling you, this is what my victory looks like. Be encouraged by that. <clears throat> in John 
19:28, Jesus says, I thirst. And what he's saying here is, I'm one of you. I thirst. I hunger. I fatigue. I have felt the betrayal of my closest friend. I have experienced loss of a loved one. I have been forgotten. I have been ignored. I have gone through every single temptation that you have gone through. I am one of you, and I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I want to read a verse in Hebrews. It's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And so when we are reaching for him and we fall and we struggle and we get distracted and we fall short of the glory of God, on the other side is an outstretched hand towards us that is a merciful hand and a faithful hand. Though we be a liar, God will be faithful until the very end. And when he talks to the Father about us, he's putting us in the best light. He knows the temptation. He understands that temptation. And so he doesn't look at us and say, why are you struggling with this? He understands why we're struggling with it. And that's what makes him merciful. And that's what makes him faithful until the very end. And so when he says, I thirst, he's saying, I'm one of you, and I'm with you right now, forever. <coughs> John 19.30, Jesus says, it is finished. From Genesis through Malachi, all of the Old Testament books have been pointing to Christ. And they have been pointing to this very moment. Even in the garden, God was portraying to us, I have a plan for salvation. And it's pointing to God's death on the cross. And when Jesus says it is finished, it aligns with what the priests would, st would say in the Day of Atonement. They would say it's finished after the sacrifices. And when they said it was finished, it would signify that the sins of the people were forgiven for a season. But Jesus, when he dies on the cross, he is the perfect lamb. He is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And when he says it is finished, he's not saying for a season, but he is saying the sins of the people are forgiven, period. Because John the Baptist, when he saw him, he said, Behold, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. It is finished. So in that moment, when Jesus surrenders his life, he breaks the chains in us. And I want to read another verse in Hebrews that ties together, I thirst with, it is finished. And that's Hebrews chapter 2, 13 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. 
and free those all, who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So when Jesus dies on the cross and he says, it is finished, he breaks the chains in us. He sets the captives free. He sets us free from Satan's um, holding death, fear over us, and it is done. <coughs> the last thing that Jesus says is in Luke 23, 46. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus was not murdered. Jesus wasn't killed, but he gave up his spirit. He had the ability to call down legions of angels. He had the ability, they, they were mocking him, saying he trusted in God. If he is who he says he was, let him come down from the cross. He could have, but he didn't. And it speaks to his willingness. It speaks to his surrender to the Father. And again, he's leaving us another example. He's saying, I'm going to follow the Father. I want you to come and follow me. So everything that I have, I count it all as loss. But to know him and to carry my cross, that's everything. That's the world to me. That's the world to you. When Jesus says, when Jesus speaks to you, it says in, in Hebrews, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Remember Jesus on the cross. He was faithful to the Father until the very end. He's encouraging you. He's, he's pulling you along. I'm one with you. I'm with you. Come with me. Give yourself to the Father. Give yourself to me as well. Forgive those in your life that, that need forgiveness. Look for the needs of others, not just yourself. Commit your spirit to him. <clears throat> I want to invite you all to come to the altar with me right now. And I want to sum up what he's saying in these seven statements with, I love you. I'm here for you. Seek me. Try to be obedient to the best of your ability. And when you, str when you struggle, when you fall, there's grace for you. There's mercy for you. But at the end of the day, I died on the cross to save you, to protect you, to show you my love for you. <clears throat>